Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. I'm Christopher Lawley, Planet Dharma team member and producer of the podcast. Today we'll be introducing the first of what I hope will become a regular addition to the podcast, interviews with Planet Dharma's two teachers, Doug Duncan and Catherine Poissarat. The regular episodes are created using recordings of their teaching in various contexts, be it public talks, online courses, or in-person retreats. This gives a window into how they teach and gives those of us who weren't able to be there at the event itself a taste of the experience we missed. And these program offerings are just part of the picture. Both Doug and Catherine are involved in many other activities and projects. Day in and day out, they work directly with students in person and virtually, helping them deepen their awakening journeys. They are also always deepening and expanding their own understanding of what the 21st century has to offer in terms of new knowledge, systems, and lenses that they can incorporate into the fullest possible manifestation of the teachings. Given the pace at which these things can evolve and change, I thought it would be helpful to check in periodically about what is happening with our two root teachers so they can speak to a topic that's currently at the fore for them. Our first interview is with Doug Duncan, formerly known as Doug Sensei, about his recent decision to start using his Zen name, Capel. In Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare invites the question, what's in a name? And Capel references this line towards the end of the interview. We talk about what led to his decision, the place names and titles have in the teachings, and how name changes can be leveraged by practitioners for their unfoldment. And just briefly, before we get to the interview, I wanted to let you know that the unedited, extended version of this conversation is currently available on our new Patreon page. For the next month, it will be available to the public as a taster of the sort of material that will be available to our patrons going forward. Visit patreon.com slash planetdharma to learn more and access the extended recording. And now here's the interview. Hey, Christopher, may all beings be well and happy. May all beings be well and happy. Thanks for making time for this. Yeah, you're welcome. What are we talking about? I'm going to be asking you about the name change. Oh, okay. Yeah, figured it would be helpful for people to learn about and then also be a quicker way to get the word out so you don't have to have the same conversation 20 million times. Thank you. That's probably a good idea. How's the air quality at Clear Sky right now? Smoky, smoky, smoky. Yeah, it's it's not as bad as it was yesterday, but yesterday it was thick. I've golfed in it and and it it's it slows you down. I mean, you know, some people are wearing masks and stuff, but I think I think millennials are more likely to be bothered by it because they're just more sensitive to the idea that the environment's falling apart and older people kind of go, oh, yeah, this will pass. So it's a huge change in kind of ethic, I guess, around on everything, really. We never thought about whether something was safe when I was young. The word just didn't come up. Nobody, nobody thought about it. That's a big shift. But that's a different conversation. Great. Well, yeah, thanks again for making time today. And I thought it'd be a great chance to check in. You recently began using your Zen name, Kapel. Can you talk a bit about what prompted you to make the change? I guess there's like different layers of this. There's the simple answer. There's the more complicated one. Uh, There's the more philosophical one. There's the more practical one. So I'll start maybe with the simple version. 
when Buddha Dharma went from India to China or Japan or the Himalayas, it went through all sorts of changes and the names changed and the nomenclature changed. Uh, Sanskrit was retained, but it was kind of translated into their own language. And now that the Dharma has gone west, what, a hundred years, I guess now, the idea that that we are continuing to name ourselves according to the Vajrayana system as Lama or Rinpoche or the, or the Japanese system as in Sensei or Roshi and etc., kind of still has a kind of a historical connection to to the traditions and I think that's really important I think I'm very keen on the traditions and and what what they've done and how they've done it and continue to use their practices and etc but it's modern days we're in the Aquarian age again maybe 100 years <laughs> into the Aquarian age which is interesting and I thought that well it's kind of time to kind of maybe get some language that is typical or to hear so the Zen guys uh, would sometimes name themselves after where they lived or where they came from and became that thing rather than so much historically tied to, I guess, the system, for lack of a better word. So I came from Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And for me as a kid, the, the place, Dewa Chen, the paradise, was the Capel Valley, uh, which is just north of Regina. It's French. Q-U-A-P-P-E-L-L-E, -E, I think. And uh, it means who calls or what calls or uh, something like that. And I thought, well, you know, that was kind of paradise for a kid. And it, it was kind of refreshing from the dry, hard or dry, cold prairie and uh, kind of more like lush and rich. So I thought, well, it's an, you know, I could name myself after where I am now, which is at the bottom of Bull Mountain. Uh, but I think naming myself Bull, <laughs> well, I, I don't think I need to comment on that. Or Kootenai, I suppose, but um, then that kind of gets a bit confusing with the, everything that here that is called Kootenai, like Kootenai Press and et cetera. So I thought, well, I, I'll take Capel, um, abbreviate it, Q-A-P-E-L, and uh, use that as my name. It also has some nice connections to chapel and church in German as well. So it's a French-German connection. And I think Mozart, I think Mozart was called the Kapellmeister, the kind of the, ma the master of the church music. So that the sound Kapell has resonance through a European culture a little bit and, and through uh, the French into where I came from. Uh, my mother's side is Belgique French, so there's a bit of that. So I think, and also the idea that who calls or what calls, which is a good name for a Dharma teacher, right? So basically a Dharma teacher is calling you or calling the student forward or out from the mass of the cultural social conditioning to listen to a different voice or hear a different message. And as a Dharma teacher, that's partly my job as well. And then the other thing is, is that, well, I thought, well, changing my name to Capel is a bit of an affectation. But if you think about it, every every label <laughs> is an affectation. Sensei, Lama, Roshi, Rinpoche, in a, in a sense, they're all affectations. 
And so I, I tried it. I tried Capel a number of years ago. I think I can't remember when exactly. I think in the 80s and 90s. And my root guru, Namjil Rinpoche, Ananda Bodhi, uh, George Dawson, uh, his list of names. He didn't exactly make fun of it, but he, he kind of raised his eyebrows. And so on that note, I left it alone. And I stayed with just Sensei, which is I was teaching and working in Japan, teaching Dharma. And uh, so I just went with Sensei. And then uh, during a retreat, we were talking about names and titles. And so he, uh, he, he listed them all with Capel, uh, Capel and then Sensei, because I was Capel before I was Sensei. Uh, he listed it Capel, Sensei. And so now that I'm back mostly in, in the West, I thought, well, Capel. So there it is, short or long version, medium version. And also now I'm 72, so it's it's also an exit name. You know, I, it's you know Doug Duncan was a birth name, and my Tibetan name, which I never really used much, Karma Chorpil Tashi. It never seemed uh, by way by the way, which means sort of good luck with spreading Dharma, which I think generally I've had pretty good luck spreading Dharma. And then Sensei for the 10 or so 10 plus years, I was moved or worked out of principally Japan. So Capel is kind of like a how do you call it when the racehorse gets around the back, the backstretch? Capel is kind of the backstretch name. Kind of, okay, this this should probably take me home to the transition called death. On a personal note, I honestly, the name change didn't throw me much, but I did find that I was bouncing on the fact that there's no title or honorific that goes with it. I was wondering if you had any comments on that. Well, that's an interesting point because it goes back to a conversation I had with the Venerable Namjil Rinpoche just before his death in Japan. And uh, I was teaching and we were leading a retreat with quite a large number of students that he was leading and I was helping with. And I was asking him about titles and honorifics and so on because a number of people in his umbrella, teaching umbrella, were asking about titles and et cetera. And, I've never been particularly interested in titles. And so we were talking about them and I said, well, what's all this about titles? And he said, no, we're, you know, we're, we're not interested in titles. It's, titles is just archaic. We're just what we are. And I said, okay, fair enough. But you know, you use the title Namjil Rinpoche and you've used the title Ananda Bodhi and so on. So that's kind of a bit confusing for me why you'd use titles and I wouldn't or anybody. I you know, whoever, some other person. So we had a kind of a, a debate, <laughs> kind of a oh, somewhat heated debate, but we, we had a debate for a few days, a week about all that. And, and then one of the uh, students there suggested that, well, that's just what happened to him. He was just called Ananda Bodhi and then he was just called uh, Namjil Rebuche. And so he went with what was. He did try to change his name towards the end of his life uh, to Star One. It didn't fly very well because i don't think he was <laughs> i don't think he was all that motivated about it but also of course everybody misinterpreted it, right or not everybody but many people misinterpreted it by saying oh what am i star two or are you star three and he, he didn't mean one as in the number one he meant one as in person star person or star one you know star the person and so but then that was like just a you know quite close towards the end of his life and so um i guess i'm doing the same thing i'm rather than calling myself star 1.2 or 2.0 calling myself capel 
and we'll see if it sticks. And uh, if it does, fine. And if it doesn't, what's in the name? However, having said that, you know, the, the opening prayer, Namo Tassa, Bhagavato, Arato, Sama, Sambuddhasa, basically says, I name this, Namo, I name this state. So the idea with a label is it names something. So we would name you as a man. That's a label. We'd name you as a, what are you, 30 something? Uh, 44. 44. Oh, you're getting on. Yeah. Um, we, that would be a label. You know, as a school teacher, that's a label, right? As a Dharma practitioner, that's that's a label. So labels have power. And so the, the power in a name, I think, is to bridge into the Aquarian age with the new dispensation of Buddha Dharma that's going to look much different to traditional Dharma as in the same way that Vajrayana Dharma looked quite different than Theravadan Dharma. And then the other thing is, of course, the Vajrayana Tibetans in particular, I guess, used a lot of imagery that was typical to their culture, arrows and bows and arrows and door jays and bells and, and trumpets and things. This is what their culture had. And our culture basically has the business of administration and money as its main kind of language, I suppose. And then also in terms of like psychology and science. So I think the language of Dharma going forward into the 21st and second and third centuries is going to start using this language more and more and the modalities and the styles of it more and more. And I think a, a new language, new naming system is probably going to be part of that. So I'm getting an early start. And here at Clear Sky and, and, and Planet Dharma, as Catherine Sensei and my teaching label, are doing everything we can to incorporate the new findings and new discoveries from fifth discipline and languages of love and dysfunctions of a team and uh, the psychology and the science, quantum physics, and then incorporate Buddhist practices and, and Western mystery practices and like the Kabbalah and so on. Uh, Hindu practices insofar as we have them into the uh, new presentation. So I, we, we figure that's part of our transition. And so we're also bringing in the psychological element, which is, you know, if you want to abbreviate it, the three lower chakras, money, sex, and power which is really about resources, money, and sex is mostly about identity, and power is about independence or, or self-determination or control. So these are shadow elements that the teaching is going to have to meet because psychology is now part of the teaching, where it wasn't in that sense back when. It was, it was all labeled under greed, hatred, and delusion, and uh, that doesn't quite have the same permutations into life and daily life of most people that money, sex, and power does, which is why money, sex, and power makes all the bells and whistles go off in people's minds much more than greed, hatred, and delusion, because the Western ego can kind of smile at greed, hatred, and delusion and go about its business. Money, sex, and power, is it's a little harder to ignore. Thank you for that. And just to clarify, so are, are you suggesting that the idea of honorifics or titles which tend to denote kind of a hierarchy that that will start to fade away as part of this move into the Aquarian age. I guess I, just to circle back to that, um, noticing that for me, the, my initial response was you were going from Doug Duncan Sensei to Capel 
and the capel didn't have a title attached to it. So I think the mind went to, oh, well, instead of going into kind of like a up to Roshi, the risk is that people will start to see him as going in reverse. <laughs> I'm going down on the scale. <laughs> the ego wants titles. The, the, the ego wants identification. The ego wants to be seen and noted and observed as being special in some way, whether it's through your intelligence or through your skill in a craft or your athleticism or your talents or whatever. So th these kinds of labels are, are by way of getting that attention, right? It's, it's simply though I am a man or I am a woman, right? It's a, it's a certain kind of attention that's coming as soon as you use that label. But remember the core of the teaching is shunyata, right? Which is emptiness. So how do you put a title on emptiness? Well, as soon as you put a title on emptiness, it's now a thing, emptiness, the thing that's called emptiness. So if you get to emptiness, right, then there's no label for it. There's your label free or, you know, no brand awake. So in that sense, I suppose I'm, maybe I'm going the right way. I'm just going more to empty, <laughs> perhaps, except I picked a name. So that's a little less empty. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's egos, you know, as long as there's ego clinging and ego identification, there is going to be scrambling for ways of getting seen and heard and noted. And so anything I can do, I collectively, I, anything I can do to get attention, I will, because it, it reaffirms my existence. It lets me bypass those really four deep fears, which we know are annihilation, abandonment, fear of being evil and going crazy. So the more labels I have around me, right? Like a diversified portfolio, the more, the more I exist in my mind. And so the, the label thing isn't going to go away anytime soon, but simplifying the labels may lead one closer to awakening. So I think I find Capel simpler than say Sensei or Lama or whatever. And on that note, if you're Lama, right, then oh, well, you're only Lama, I'm going to go see Rinpoche, right? Or you're only Sensei, I'm going to go find Roshi, right? It's like, it's like black belts in karate or something, you're going to like a 16th Dan black belt. Well, how long before somebody makes a 17th Dan black belt? <laughs> so, you know, the, the minute you start doing it, it starts to snowball, right? Which is the beauty of the ego. It's just, it's a great snowball maker. Thank and you. of course, most of what we do is building snowmans in the summer heat anyway. So that's appropriate. A very Zen image. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we have a Zen retreat coming up. So it's kind of nice timing. Do you have time for one last question? Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks. So in the time that I've studied and trained with you, there have been some examples of Sangha members who've changed their names after consulting with you for advice. And I was wondering, when is this practice advisable for people or should everyone who's on a spiritual path? at least consider doing this? Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of name changes because it loosens up the identity. So I, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but I think Native Americans, uh, indigenous people, Native Canadians, traditionally had name changes. They, they had their baby name and, and then they had their kind of, now I'm a kind of semi-adult name and then they have their kind of adult name. And, and then they, if they got involved in the spiritual tradition, they would probably get a name change for that too. And then they might have a, you know, as they go through the spiritual tradition, they may have be recognized as an elder or a shaman or something. And then there'd be another name change. 
well, all very confusing for the church or whoever, which or the government that was always trying to pinpoint them on the map. You know, all these name changes kind of drives them nuts. Not good for the computer. So I think name changes are useful, but of course it is it is a bit of work if if all of a sudden you were called Radiant Moon and everybody had to kind of, oh, who? Who's, you know, so it's, in terms of efficiency, it's not very efficient, but in terms of kind of giving Christopher Lolly a break from everything that's associated with Christopher Lolly to say Radiant Moon or He Who Runs Fast. So the names were very organic and 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 so that's another reason i like capel you know it's a valley it's a small valley in the prairies which doesn't have many on a small lake which doesn't have many and so it's in that sense capel is kind of precious for southern saskatchewan great thanks so much i really appreciated having this conversation and i'm sure everybody will appreciate having some more insight into the name change so thank you capel you're welcome <laughs> uh radiant moon what's in a name what is it? A rose is sweet by any other name. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on your favorite podcast app to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. And don't forget to subscribe to get episodes and bonus content sent directly to your device. You may have noticed Capel referencing the upcoming Zen retreat. Planet Dharma will be running a two-week Zen retreat in December at the beautiful Clear Sky Center in the Canadian Rockies. In a lead-up to the retreat, Capel and Catherine Sensei will also be teaching a live online course on Zen, beginning at the end of October. You can learn more about these two offerings at planetdharma.com events. See you next time, and may all our efforts benefit all beings.